listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. jump into our devotional series on prayer here in a minute, but just so you know, the format we've been doing is I kind of give a message, then afterwards there's some time for discussion and questions, a little Q&A, and we've all had this when you're listening to a sermon, you want to press pause on the pastor, or maybe mute, mute on the pastor, depending on the sermon, uh, and you want to ask him a question, right? So at the end of the, the message, you'll have the chance to ask your questions, and uh, we'll do some comments too. So during this brief study on prayer... We've learned a lot of different things. We've learned that prayer is vital. Prayer is simple. Prayer is hard. And prayer is honest. And we barely scratched the surface on prayer. As I was preparing the series, I had quite a few others that didn't make the final cut since we only have a few weeks. But prayer is bold. Prayer is persistent. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is surprising. Prayer is Jesus' native tongue. Prayer is individual. Prayer is, prayer is shared. Prayer is answered. We could have done all of those, so I guess we've got fodder for next month's, next year's uh, Lent. But there's, there's probably many others that come to mind as you've reflected on prayer as well. There's so much we can learn about prayer, but my hope is that you found these messages helpful at least in understanding prayer and working to cultivate uh, habits of of regular prayer in your own life as well. Uh, So tonight we'll wrap up with transformative. Prayer is transformative. Now there's a couple of different ways you can understand this word transformative. When we say prayer is transformative, prayer is transformative in the sense that it can change our external circumstances, right? We see examples of this all over the place in Scripture, and I'm sure if we opened up the microphone, there would be all sorts of examples that you'd be able to share with me. Uh, But one that comes to to mind for me is the example of Hannah in the Bible, book of 1 Samuel. Anybody remember the story of Hannah? You know what we're talking about with Hannah? She was barren. She couldn't have a kid, so she prayed to the Lord, and what happened? God responded to her prayer, and he gave her this child, Samuel. So that would be an example of where prayer transforms our circumstances, our our external circumstances. But that's not the type of transformation I want to talk about tonight. Sure, sometimes prayer transforms our circumstances, but always it transforms the one who prays. Sometimes it changes our circumstances, but always prayer transforms the one who prays. Most of the time, people see prayer as a way to get something from God. I think that's a fair way of putting the common conception of prayer. And if God doesn't give us what we want, then that means prayer has failed. That's the conclusion that people draw. And the reason they, I'll even say we, because we fall into this trap sometimes too, the reason we do this is the human condition as sinners, we tend to think that the world revolves around us, right? I'm number one. i got to look out for number one, that we should be able to strong-arm God into giving us what we want. 
So we take prayer, this wonderful gift, this wonderful tool, and we misuse it, applying it to our own advantage. Tim Keller puts it like this. He says, he wrote a wonderful book on on prayer, and I'm quoting from that here. He says, if we are living lives in which God does not have our highest allegiance, then we will use prayer instrumentally. That's a good way to put it. If we're living lives in which God does not have our highest allegiance, then we will use prayer instrumentally, selfishly, simply to try to get the things that may already be ruining our lives. But what if the purpose of prayer is less about changing my circumstances and more about changing my heart? What if my heart is actually what God cares about most of all? What if my heart is the primary target of His love? Prayer is transformative. It changes us. It's not just a communication tool. And we talk about prayer as being speaking with God, whether out loud or from your heart. It's not just a communication tool. It is a sanctification tool that God wields to grow the fruits of the Spirit in us. Like a sculptor chips away at a block of marble, God uses prayer to chip away at the callous parts of our hearts and to transform them so that we become more and more like Christ. We are made more and more in His image. In other words, prayer makes us more like Jesus. Say it like that. To see how this works, I want to take us to the book of Philippians. I'm just going to read a few verses here, but if you have your Bibles... You can turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Very familiar passage. Many of you probably know this by heart. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, isn't that that a great passage? It's worth remembering that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, right? A lot of these small books in the New Testament are just letters that he wrote to different churches. So he wrote this letter while he was in chains for the gospel. So he's not writing from a privileged position, right? Paul is experiencing some really difficult, stressful circumstances. And if anyone had to, (coughs) excuse me, had a right to feel anxious and stressed, it was Paul. But what does he tell us? Do not be anxious about anything. About what? Anything. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just tell us to stop being anxious. He actually goes on to give us the antidote to anxiety like the secret skeleton key that everyone is searching for. And it's this, it's right here. In everything, by, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What's the spiritual antidote to anxiety? It's prayer. Supplication. He essentially says, bring it to God. Like, call out to Him. Tell him your fears and your worries, the stuff that makes you sweat, the stuff that that makes your heart rate increase, 
the difficult situations and people you have to deal with. Like, don't be shy about bringing all of that to Jesus. Confess. Like, name it. Name your fears and your anxiety and your inability to trust Jesus the way that you should. Bring it all, bring it all to Him. Because He cares for you. And what will happen when we administer this antidote of prayer to the presenting problem of anxiety? Well, he tells us that too. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Prayer leads to peace. Now, what does this mean? Well, it certainly doesn't mean that we can just pray away our anxiety, that people should just stop taking Prozac and and pray more instead, right? God uses modern medicine and therapists and all that in a powerful way to restore health. But then we got to ask, what does it actually mean? Like, what does it mean when Paul says that prayer leads to a peace that surpasses all understanding? Well, it's certainly no guarantee that our circumstances will change. It's not even a promise that our blood pressure will drop or that we'll feel peace tangibly, although that can happen, and praise the Lord when it does. Ultimately, though, prayer leads to peace because it forces us to give up the illusion of control. Prayer forces us to confront that illusion that we're actually in control of our lives, right? That we're number one, that we're the captain of our own ships. When we pray, we're declaring war against self-sufficiency, against the idea that it's up to me to save myself from my circumstances. There's a kind of relief that floods over you. Maybe you've experienced this at certain points in your life, that that floods over you when you finally let go of something and place it in the hands of someone else, someone bigger, someone stronger, someone who loves you more than anything. Maybe you've experienced, uh, gotten a glimpse of this at, at work or in your friendships or when you've dropped the kids off at your parents for the weekend, right? Like, There's a lot of benefits to that. Uh, But at its best, that's what happens when we pray. We put it in God's hands. Not because he'll do what we want, but because he'll answer in unlimited wisdom and love, whereas our wisdom and love is always limited. Because we're finite, and we're sinners, and we're creatures. But not only does God tell us how to pray, he actually shows us. No one knew how to pray like Jesus. The night before his crucifixion, you may remember that Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He instituted the Lord's Supper, washed their feet. And then after that, what happened? Well, they went out into this garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray. And as Jesus was praying, he was so overwhelmed and in so much agony about his impending death that that Luke tells us he actually sweat drops of blood. I mean, you talk about anxiety, right? 
But in the midst of his anxiety, Jesus cried out to his heavenly Father with these words, Luke twenty-two forty-two, praying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus' prayer here is characterized both by boldness and humility. He's bold in his request. I don't want to have to go through all of this. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. And if it can be avoided, that would be my preference. He's bold about this. He doesn't hold back. But he's also humble in his prayer, ultimately placing his request in the hands of God to do whatever he deems best, right? Not my will, but yours be done. And in the final analysis, prayer didn't actually change Jesus' circumstances. God didn't remove the cup that Jesus asked him to remove, which is his impending suffering. He still allowed Jesus to be whipped, beaten, spat upon, and nailed to a tree for the sins of the world. Prayer may or may not change our circumstances, but it always changes us. It always transforms us. Chipping away at the parts of our heart that we consider off limits and working to conform us more and more into the image of Jesus, which is a cruciform image. It's cross-shaped. Prayer is transformative because it brings us into closer communion with the sufferings of Jesus. So as you do some reflecting on your own life, and your own heart, I would ask you to consider what part of your heart do you consider off limits? What's that part of your heart that you are, are guarding that Jesus might need to, to do some work on? So practically speaking, what might this look like? this kind of prayer that transforms us. Well, when you spend years praying for a loved one to come to Christ and they don't, it would be easy to conclude that prayer didn't change anything. But if we shift our gaze at our, and look at our own heart, we might find that God has matured us in patience and long-suffering. When we pray for healing from a disease and the condition only deteriorates, it would be easy to conclude that that prayer didn't work. But if we shift our gaze and we look at our own heart, we might discover that our weakness allowed us to experience God's strength in a mighty way. When we pray for success and only get failure, it would be easy to conclude that God didn't come through. But once again, if we shift our gaze and look at our own heart, we might find that our identity was tied to our earthly success in an unhealthy way, and God was using prayer as a tool of sanctification to break that bond and set us free. God uses prayer to, to change us, to transform us, and to cultivate a posture of greater dependence on Him. Prayer is transformative. God has utilized prayer to transform me in, in my own life, and He will use it to transform you as well. Sometimes prayer transforms our circumstances, but always it transforms the heart of the one praying. May God continue to remove our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh 
making us more and more into the image of his crucified son, Jesus. It's only because of what he did for us at the cross that we have access to God at all. He's the reason we can come before our heavenly father, before his throne of grace and bring our requests boldly, knowing that he will never turn us away. Jesus is actually the whole reason that we're able to pray. So may we have hearts hungry for prayer the way a starving man is hungry for food. God loves to hear our voices, and he loves to respond. And I'll close here with these words from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer. Pray that you would use prayer as a powerful tool to shape our own hearts and our minds, God, to conform us more and more to your image, that, that our prayers wouldn't just be about us, but would be about our neighbors and the people around us, Father. We thank you for Jesus and the way that he teaches us to pray. May we seek to follow his example. We ask all of this in his name. Amen. Hey, friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's pastorkjolhaug at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.